Good morning, Golden Corner Church. Good, good. I like that enthusiastic response. So good to see you. I, I mean that from the depths of my heart. If you're visiting with us, you have no idea how much joy you've brought to our morning that you have come this way. Uh, last week, I started a new sermon series entitled Making Us Mom and Dad. So yes, we have been talking about parenting, parenting, and we're going to continue to. For those of you who weren't here last week, let me catch you up. Uh, from, the, from an Old Testament Bible story found in the book of 1 Samuel, chapters 1 and 2, we learned what we're calling two fundamental facts that everyone should know about parenting. Fact number one was children are a gift from God. Your children were unique, uniquely created by God and then graciously given to you as a gift from God. That was our first fact. Fact number two, children are our gift to God. So, Ronnie, what does it mean? God gave us our children so that we would give them back to him. Now, what does that mean, Ronnie? It, it, to give a child back to God, it means that as we're helping them become more and more independent from us, that we're also helping them become more and more dependent on God. You got it? As we're helping them get more and more independent of us, we're helping them grow more and more dependent on God. Now, here's a key statement. You can see it in my notes. It's in big, bold print. Make sure you get this, okay? Everybody going to make sure? Everybody going to make sure? Good, good. The divine purpose of parenting is to help our children know God and then send them out as adults who will follow and serve God for the rest of their life. That's what it means to give a child to God. So how do we do that? Time out. i got to tell you something. I, I gotta t- you got to know two facts before we go any further. Fact number one, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God wants everybody in the room to hear the words that I'm about to share with you. Man, I know it. From the depths of my spirit, I'm absolutely convinced of it. I know it, that the God who made you and the God who gave you those kids, he wants you to hear these words that I'm about to share with you. Number two, I want you to know this fact. We all have a com- common enemy, the devil, and I know that, that your enemy as a parent and the enemy of your children does not want you to hear what I'm about to say. I know that. You see, why are you telling us that? Because here's what I want. I want you to do your dead level best to hear what I'm saying today. Pray that your mind won't drift. Pray the room won't get stuffy. Pray that you don't go to sleep. Hey, pray that I don't go to sleep because I'm tired this morning. I, I can, I, let me take just a minute to tell you why. Yesterday afternoon, we're getting ready to go to a very important wedding. Two people that are very important to us, two families that are very important to us, about 10 after 5. I looked at my wife and said, I'm going to pull my sermon up on the computer. I'm going to go over it with you, and you give me some critical input, because most of my sermons come from her anyway. And I said, I want you to listen to what i got to say. Guess what? Out of seven pages of notes, the first four pages were gone. I'm telling you, in some black hole somewhere, days and days of work, gone, Danny, gone. Now, i got to tell you, I wasn't much of a man of faith. I went into a state of panic and got up at 3.30 this morning 
and, try, and did my best to recover those four pages of notes in my head trying to recount what God had given me, and he was faithful to help me. But here's what I know. I believe the devil had a hand in that. I swear. I'm not trying to be mystical or weird or anything like that. I believe that he really is trying to throw a monkey wrench in things because he doesn't want you to hear what God has given me to say. So are you going to really buckle down and pay attention and get everything I'm saying? Man, I love it. I'm pretty fired up. You know what? What does it take on the part of a parent? What is it we have to do in order to give a child to God? I believe we've got to perform at least three tasks. Model, teach, train. Got it? Model, teach, train. And what we're going to do is just slow down and take a close look at each one of those tasks. Number one, model. To give our kids to God, we have to set the right example. We're going to read uh, four verses from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. And that's what you, you have you got any words in your vocabulary that are tough for you to say? Deuteronomy is going to come out different every time I say it this morning. You understand that? Because it's just my tough word. In Deuteronomy, <laughs> it's a different time, wasn't it? Uh, chapter 6. Verse number 4 through 7, we're going to read those in just a moment. Before we do, let me set the stage and tell you what's going on. Moses is speaking to the Israelites on behalf of God. God had some things he wanted the Israelite people to do, so he shared those commands, first of all, with Moses and said, now you go share them with the people. Listen to what he said. Verse number 4, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Verse number 5, and you, there's a key word, you see it? Must. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you, you see it again, must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Now look what he says. He was talking to parents and you know about their lives. And now he's talking to parents about their children. He says, of these commands, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. And when you're on the road, other translations say when you're walking along the road with your kids. Talk about these commandments. When you're going to bed and when you are getting up. In verse number 7, God is very clear about it. He says, parents, I want you to teach your children the Bible. The commands I've shared with you, you're going to teach those to your kids. However, in the verses that precede Verse number 7, God commanded the parents to love him and obey his commands wholeheartedly. What did God say through Moses to these Israelites? I'm going to give you the Hodge translation or the Hodge paraphrase. God was saying to these parents, you must live it before you teach it. Before you teach your children to love me, you must love me. Before you teach your kids to obey my commands, you got to obey my commands. As parents, and this is what he was saying, your first task is to set the example. The whole process of giving a child to God starts with us. Before we can give our child or children to God, we must first give ourselves to God. If we want our children to know and love God, we've got to know and love God. If we want our children to follow and serve God, we've got to follow and serve God. 
We must practice what we preach. If we don't, it absolutely dilutes our effectiveness in leading our children. No child's life has ever been positively impacted by the message, do as I say, not as I do. A lifestyle of loving, following, and serving God is caught. Caught long before it's taught. Parents, we can't pass on to our kids what we don't possess, and we can't help our children experience something that we're not experiencing. Our children aren't stupid. Uh, If we're being hypocritical, they're probably the first to pick up on it. We're all setting example to our kids, and honestly, our kids are probably uh, more likely to follow our example than any others. Therefore, as parents, we are responsible to set the right example. Now, some of you know the story of my conversion, so I, and some of you don't. I'm going to give you kind of a very condensed version. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. My parents never read the Bible with us, never prayed with us. We didn't do anything like that. We didn't go to church together as a family. I could count on one hand how many times I was in church before I turned 20 years old. And yet, I've been a Christian now for about 37 years or so, and I was saved when I was one. And I catch that? I've been been saved about 37 years, been preaching about 36 years. And so you may wonder, what was the turning point? I mean, I went from from being an absolute heathen to being a devoted follower of Christ and, and, and a minister. So where was the turning point? It happened on a Saturday afternoon before my uh, daughter Amy's second birthday. We were in the living room playing together, and she crawled up in my lap, and as she took her place on my knee, a question shot in my mind. And the question was this. If she follows your example, where is it going to take her in life? And where will it take her after this life? That question was so vivid, I literally, I literally trembled. I didn't know much about God, but I knew this. That question came from him. He's trying to get my attention about this. I, I'll be honest, I never got over that question. I, I began to try to change dramatically. because I knew the answer, and the answer was not good. If she followed my example, I knew where it was going to lead her in this life, and I knew where it was going to lead her after this life, and it scared me. And I began to change and I quickly began to understand that I can't change to the degree that I should on my own. So I started going to church. And there I discovered what I was going to need to change. I needed Jesus. And I got saved and he began to change me. And the reason was, was I came to understand my responsibility to set the right example to my child. So i got to ask you that same question. If your child or your children follow your example, where is it going to lead them in this life and after this life? So task one is model. Task two is teach. We model, we teach, we train. I want to read you another verse of Scripture. It's in the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 4. The Apostle Paul wrote these words under the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
He's, he's writing to Christian people and he's telling them how they should live as Christians. And in chapter 6, verse 4, he is primarily speaking, specifically speaking to parents. And I want you to look what he says. He says, fathers, and that word in the Greek language could just as easily have meant parents. So let's look at it though. Parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. But look what he says. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction And that word means teaching, the teaching that comes from the Lord. Parents, we're teachers. We're teachers by trade. We teach our we we teach our children a host of different things. We you know we 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 teach them how to dress themselves, we teach them how to feed themselves, we teach them how to swim, ride a bicycle, we teach them how to hit a baseball and drive a car. It's it's what seems it's all that we ever do is we teach teach, teach. But of all we teach, we are first and foremost supposed to be teaching our children the Bible. Paul clearly told parents to bring up their kids with the instructions that come from the Lord. And where do we find these instructions that come from the Lord? The Bible. As parents, we are primarily responsible To make sure our kids know about God, His Word, His ways, His likes and dislikes, and His principles that we build our lives on. We are our children's primary source of coming to understand God and His Word. You know what that means, don't you? Are you still listening to me now? Okay, good. This this group's listening right here. You know what that means? If if, If we're our children's primary Bible teachers... Means we've got to know the Bible. To teach the Bible, you've got to learn the Bible. To be a Bible teacher, first you've got to be a Bible student. Here's the way it works learn a little bit of the Bible, and every time you learn a little bit, you pass it on to your kids. You don't have to sit down and try to get a comprehensive, complete understanding of this book before you start. You just learn a You know what? That's all I do every Sunday. <laughs> I don't know all of that book. Every week I just try to learn a little bit of it and come pass that little bit on to you. And, and that's what we should be doing as our chi- for our children. Here's the way Lynn and I did this with our kids. Uh, first of all, we started out with kind of a semi-structured approach to teaching our kids the Bible. Well, well first and foremost, we became students of the Bible ourselves, Karen. We started reading the Bible, studying the Bible, trying to gain an understanding of it, learn more about it. We were faithful to our church. We heard great pastors preach on the Bible. We joined life groups and learned from others as they shared their perspective of the Bible. And as we became students of the Bible, we became teachers of the Bible and began to try to pass this on to our kids. And our first approach was kind of had some structure to it. And I would say, I would say this, pre-adolescence, we had a structured plan for teaching our kids. And we went and bought age-appropriate Bibles those little children's Bibles, and, and most nights when we were tucking our kids into bed, you know, we would lie down on the bed next to them, and we would share a Bible story with them. Some of my fondest memories come from the evenings that I was lying on the bed next to one of my kids, reading and sharing a Bible story with them, and us talking about it. Uh, there was a time, I can remember lying on the bed with Jonathan, and I'd read these Bible stories to him, and after we'd read the Bible story, he'd say, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher just like you. I'd boil my chest and swell up. I'm like, man, what about that? He wants to be like his dad. 
He'd say that over and over. And I remember one night, uh, we finished the Bible story, and he got this somber look on his face. And I said, what's wrong, son? And he said, Daddy, I don't want to live here anymore. And I'm thinking, in Salem? I mean, in a church furnished house? I couldn't have done it. I said, where do you want to live, son? He said, I want to live on TV. I said, what? He said, yeah, I want to be one of those Power Rangers. I said, why? He said, all they ever do is fight. They never have to stop and take a bath. I said, you don't want to be a preacher anymore? He said, well, if I couldn't be a Power Ranger, I'd like to be Batman. He said, if I couldn't be Batman, I'd like to be Briscoe County Jr. And some of you are going to have trouble. That was, that, that was a TV show that lasted one season about a cowboy. I'd love to be Briscoe County Jr. He said, now if I can't be Briscoe County Jr., I'd like to be Bugs Bunny. Yeah. He said, and Dad, if I couldn't be Bugs Bunny, I'd be a preacher. So I think the lesson in that story was, for me, a lesson in humility. That on the list of uh, occupations to pursue, uh, pastoring is right below being Bugs Bunny. As our children reach adolescence, it seemed that our structured approach didn't, wasn't working as well. Our kids seemed to be bored out of their minds every time we'd sit down and try to have a little Bible study, especially Jonathan, poor old Jonathan. He'd just be down rolling around on the floor and you trying to get his attention. So we changed our approach, and we went to a little more relaxed approach. We began to look for, identify, and take advantage of teachable moments. We felt like we found examples of this in the Bible. In the verses we just read, God told the Israelites through Moses, hey, talk about the Bible when you're at home, but talk about the Bible when you're just walking alone. All through the Old Testament, God would tell the Israelites, you know, you be, re- you be ready to answer your children's spiritual questions. And, and Lynn and I really believed he was talking about taking advantage of teachable moments. When Amy or John had fears or problems or challenges, when they made mistakes or bad decisions, we shared biblical principles with them that might apply to each of their situations. When they had questions, we did our best to answer those questions. If we didn't know the answer, we searched diligently until we found the answer. In addition to teaching our children ourselves, we always took them to church. Lynn and I started attending church before Amy's second birthday. And since then, we've always been faithful to church. Even before I became the pastor of a church, we were faithful to our church, and not just for our sakes, but for the sake of our children. We saw the church as a great resource in helping us teach our children about God and the Word and the life that he offers. In hindsight, having our kids in church was one of the best things we could have ever done for them or for us. We've had so many wonderful, godly, loving people who have invested in the lives of our children. You know, my son's a pretty good kid. He was always a pretty good kid, but he eventually became a teenager. Now, if you're a teenager, I'm not taking shots at you. 
I'm just, I'll just say this. When Jonathan became a teenager, it was amazing to me how quickly he picked up on the fact that he knew more than we did. As a matter of fact, you would ask him, he would say, they don't know anything. And, and during this stage, he wouldn't listen to anything we said, seem, seemingly, to us. We'd give him advice or counsel or leadership, boom, nothing. We were very blessed in that during those years, he met a guy. He met a guy who was just a little bit older than him. Still kind of in that age category, and this guy was doing everything he could to follow Christ. He was doing everything he could to serve Christ. And for some reason, our son chose to listen to him when he would not listen to us. And this young man became one of the greatest influences on Jonathan's life, in particular for a period of several years there. And I shudder to think where Jonathan might be if he had not met and, 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 and became a friend of this young man. You know who the young man was? Tim McCall. You know where he met Tim at? He met him at church. Jonathan attended our student ministry, and Tim McCall was his student pastor. I want to say a few words. As a parent but also as your pastor. I want to strongly encourage you to take advantage of your church and let us help you teach your children about God and the life he offers. Golden Corner Church is a great resource for parents. We have an outstanding children's ministry. We call it Kids Ministry. Every Sunday morning at 9.30, once again at 11 o'clock. Our children's ministry is not child care. Although, those men and women will really take great care of your child. And when they're attending kids' ministry, they're being exposed to fabulous Christian examples. They're being loved by Christian men and women, and they're being taught the Bible on a level that they get, not only understanding the Bible, but how to apply it to their lives. We have a student ministry that meets every Wednesday night at 5.30, am I correct on that? Called Jay Walkers, and Jake Black is our student pastor, and then they'll meet again on Sunday evenings at 5.30. That's the middle school that meets on Wednesday. The high school group meets on Sunday evening. We're a great resource for parents. However, I'm afraid that we are an underused resource. Sometime back, we started registering all of the children who attend kids' ministry. Currently, we have 164 children enrolled in our kids' ministry. Did you know that? 164 children are enrolled in our kids' ministry. The average child enrolled in our kids' ministry attends 45% of the time. Did you hear me? Because, let me just add this, just in case you're wondering what I think about that, that ain't good. 
You know what that means? It means that there is a great, spirit-filled, well-prepared, godly team ready 52 Sunday mornings out of the year to invest in your children. And the average child misses out on 29 of those opportunities. Man, that ain't good. Here's what I'm trying to say. We can do more for your children if you'd let us. If you choose not to take your teens to Jay Walker's or if you choose not to be here on Sunday mornings when you could be here, it's your prerogative. You're the parent. Here's what I'm assuming. That if you aren't here on Sundays that you could be or you just choose not to take your kids to Jay Walker's, it's because you or you and your spouse are so thorough in the job you're doing, teaching your kids about God, teaching them the Bible, that either you don't need our help or you don't need it to a great degree. Are you still listening? When you miss Sundays that you could really be here, do you plan something for your kids that will help them in their spiritual development? I know there are times that we just can't be in church, but when you skip church and you could be here and you've got kids, do you plan something that's going to help them in their spiritual development? Plan and do something, or do you just skip that week? Because there are people back here who planned, prepared, and they're standing on ready. If you could have your teens at Jay Walker's and you just choose not to because it's an inconvenience, do you prepare something and teach them something applicable to their lives that could help them in the situations they're facing? Or you just skip that week? I'm not trying to be a jerk. Parents, you're not the enemy. But you've got one. And your kids have got an enemy. And I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of aiming at him this morning. I want you to stop and think about the long-term consequences of the decisions you make every Sunday morning. Every time Jay Walker's is meeting. Every time kids' ministry is meeting. Stop and think about it. What do your kids need? What's best for them? I know you need time. You need time to play. I preached. Listen, last week I talked about that, didn't I? Having fun, playing, all that stuff. Well, you've got other responsibilities. You're their Bible teacher. You're their Bible instructor. You're at the helm. You do understand that Golden Corner Church is not primarily responsible to teach your kids about God and the Bible. You are. We're just a supplement. We're a resource, and we're a good one, and I want you to take advantage of it. Let us help your kids more if we can. Number three, are you glad I'm moving off of that one? I'm kind of glad I'm moving off of that one. So we model, we teach, and we train. 
To give our children to God, we must train them. Now, I want to go back and read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 again. It says, Parents, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline. That word means literally training and teaching that comes from the, that comes from the Lord. So what's the difference between teaching and training? When we're teaching our kids, we're helping them learn. When we're training our kids, we're helping them apply what they have learned. We model and they see, we teach and they hear. We train and they do. So how do we train our children? I believe successful training requires four steps. And I, I, I want to I apologize. I do not want to clutter up this sermon with, with too much information, but I feel like I've got to elaborate on those four steps to be complete. So you're ready to train a child. We must pray, affirm, correct, and love. You got it? To train a child, now you, you see where we're at, you know, we're talking about how to give a child back to God. We model, we teach, we train. So you're still with me on that. Now to train, what do we got to do? We got to pray, we got to affirm, we got to correct, and I'm sorry about that word, kids, and we have to love. We pray that our children will embrace what we're teaching. We pray that they'll accept Christ one day. We pray that they will love Christ. We pray that they will follow him and they will commit to a life of serving him. But secondly, we affirm them. When our kids are putting biblical principles into practice or they're trying to do the right thing, you know what we're going to do? We're going to applaud that. You see behavior in them that you want them to repeat, you affirm that behavior. If we fail to do this, we're going to frustrate our children. Because they're going to come to the conclusion that nothing is good enough to please mom and dad. You never ever wait and withhold your praise saying, I'm just going to wait until they got this exactly right. If you wait until your children do something perfectly or you wait until you feel like your child is perfect to give praise, you're never going to give praise because they're never going to be perfect. You praise their effort. You praise their progress. And third, we must correct. Now, don't you listen? You're still with me, right? I don't have much left. We got to correct. I, as I prepared for this sermon, I looked up all these verses about parenting, and there were far more verses on correcting a child than setting the example to a child or teaching a child. And kids, I'm sorry about that. But there were just so many verses about correcting children. When our kids are defiant, as parents, we correct them. When their attitude is rotten, we correct them. Correction or discipline is a big part of training a child. Children have to know that you're in charge. They're not. Children have to understand what the word no means. It means stop and don't do that again. All these things, I believe, are learned through correction. Now, once again, I don't want to overload you with a bunch of information, but I would be amiss, I would be incomplete if I didn't throw out just a few practical tips. So you understand what I'm saying? That correction is a part of the training process, and here are some tips on correcting our children. Number one, and I'm not going to number these, start early. Start early. 
it is much easier to correct a child's attitude and behavior when they're two than when they're 17. There's even a verse in the Bible that teaches that in the book of Proverbs. Start early in this process. Always correct a child for their sake, not yours. It's because you're trying to help them move in a positive direction. Never discipline a child when you are angry. And there are going to be times that your children are going to do something that causes you to fly into a rage. They're going to make you so mad, the first thing you want to do is discipline them. How's that? I'll say that. Now, the best thing you can do is say, hold that thought because I'm going to discipline you, but not right now. Here's what you do. Cool off. You know, if you're, if you're a single parent, perhaps that's the time that you pick up the phone and call another parent. You know, if, if, if maybe that's the time where if you're, if you're not a single parent, you sit down with your spouse and say, let me tell you what little Johnny did. And I'm t- I'm, listen, my kids are going to be thrilled when this series is over with. And let me tell you what he did. What do you think we ought to do? And parents, when you come cons- to consensus, you execute that discipline and you support one another in that discipline. Man, this is working up. I, I like this. Listen, I'm telling you, I like the sermon. Do you like the sermon? No kid said amen right there. No kid. <laughs> Discipline needs to be age appropriate. If, if, if your 17-year-old son comes in from the Wahala football game and he's intoxicated and you go, no, Jeffrey, no. Don't expect great results. On the other hand, if, you, if your two-year-old daughter defies you in some way and you go, okay, young lady, you're grounded. You're not going anywhere this weekend. Don't expect great results. Discipline needs to be age-appropriate, and you always discipline with patience. Don't be too quick to punish. God gives us chance after chance after chance as our Heavenly Father, and we need to give our kids a chance. Now, kids, say amen. Oh, there's nobody in here. (laughs) To train a child requires prayer, affirmation, correction, and love, and of these four steps, the most important is love. We are to love our kids no matter what. And I'm going to talk, I'm not going to say much more about that because... I'm going to talk at length about that next week. But I do close with this question. I've got to answer it in two minutes. Can you believe that? Two minutes. What if you do all this, Ronnie? You model, teach, and you train, and your children just reject it all because it can happen. They can do it. And some will. Well, I found a story in the Bible where it did happen. I hate to rush through this, but I'm going to. The story of the prodigal son. Godly man tried to raise two boys the best he could. Tried to raise them so that he, they would be godly men. The younger decides he wants no part of it. Daddy, I don't want you in my life. Dad, I'm not going to live the life you've taught me how to live. And furthermore, I don't want your God in my life. All I want is your money. Give me the, my part of the inheritance now. You know what the father did? He didn't try to talk him out of it. He didn't say, I've never heard of doing something like that before. Son, I think you'd better stay. You know what the father said? Here's the check. You want the cash? Here's the cash. This man knew what his son was going to do. His son was about to leave. He didn't try to talk him out of it. He knew his son was headed in the wrong direction. He didn't try to convince him otherwise. 
He let him go. You know what I believe? I believe the man knew. I've done all I can do. And parents, there comes that place in your life and, and, and the life as we're trying to, where we understand, I've done all I, that's all I can do. And he let his boy walk away. And sure enough, he, his son rejected the life that he had been taught to live. And he went out, and the Bible said he wasted all of his money in a sinful way of living. When the money was out, guess what happened? A great famine set in. The next thing you know, this boy's got to get a job. The only job he can find is feeding pigs. And the Bible said he was so hungry that he would crave the food the pigs were eating. And this is what the Scripture says. The Scripture says there came a point where all of a sudden that boy's eyes opened. He had an awakening. This is not better. I need my daddy. And I need his God. And I should have been living the way he showed me that I should be living. And he turned and he went home. And he was received by his dad. And I believe that he did begin to follow God and live the way he should. It was a major turning point in this young man's life. And you say, Ronnie, what do we learn in this story? Here's what I've learned. God is a parent's greatest... (laughs) Excuse me. I'm going to back up. I slobbered so much I couldn't get that out of my mouth. God is a parent's greatest ally. As parents, we can only do so much. But where our ability ends, God's is only beginning. Therefore, if our children reject our example, our teaching, and our training, don't give up. Give them over. Don't give up. Give them over. Give them over to God. And wait patiently. As he does for them and in them. What you couldn't do. He is our greatest resource. As parents. Let's pray. Yes, Ronnie, where are you going next week? I've already told you. We're going to talk about loving our kids. Here's what I want to do right now. I'm talking to some parents. And you are deeply concerned over your children. Because you see some of your children moving in a dangerous direction, the wrong direction. Here's what I want you to do. Pray for them. Pray for them. I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're 30. It is not too late. It probably took the young man in that story I told years to experience that awakening and that turning point in his life. It may have. It is not too late. Do you hear me? It is not too late for your child. Place them in God's hands right now. You do for them what 
You open their eyes. You change their want to. You change their will. You change their direction. And you tell the Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm, I'm trusting you for my child and their future. Father in heaven, thank you for for these gifts that you've given us and our kids. But Lord, we stand a little bit intimidated at the responsibility. Help us. Help us take it a day at a time, be faithful. To model, to teach. God, where our abilities end, I pray that you'll do all those things that we can't do. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. I'll see you next week, I hope.